Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, we're going to start looking at verse 14. Joshua 24, let's join together in prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for the privilege of Your Word, and we thank You for allowing us to hear Your message. Lord, we pray that Your Spirit might be alive and in, in, within us to allow us to hear Your voice as we study Your Word and as we uh, uh, spend this brief time of, of uh, centering our hearts and lives upon You, Lord. We pray that You would allow us to glorify You with our lives, Lord, that we might magnify Your holy name and how You make a difference in us. Lord, that throughout the rest of our life that we might exalt You as King of kings, Lord of lords but most of all, Lord of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we come to a pretty uh, famous passage of Scripture. I'm sure that a lot of you are aware of it. Uh, and it's found in Joshua chapter uh, 24, uh, starting in verse 14. It says, Now therefore uh, fear the Lord and serve Him in uh, sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Uh, and if it is, uh, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This passage of Scripture comes to a very important time in the life of Israel. It is a time in which uh, they have uh, they've come out of Egypt, out of bondage and slavery, and God has led them through the wilderness, and they have journeyed... Uh, for over 40 years as God has winnowed away the, those who didn't follow according to God's desire in their life to take the land. And now they have, after they have wandered about, uh, um, they've lost everyone that, was, that left Egypt except for two individuals, Joshua and Caleb. They're the only ones that, uh, that were with them as they left Egypt and now as they are entering into the promised land and they have experienced a lot. Gone is Moses, the man who God used to lead them out of bondage and slavery and in Egypt. Gone is Aaron, the man that God selected to be the first high priest and, and no longer are they the people that once were 
These are the children of those uh, who left Egypt. In fact, these are the very ones that the children of Israel were afraid would be overrun and taken by their enemies if they attempted to take the promised land. God said, since you didn't believe me and trust in me to give you this land and allow you to take it, uh, and because of your fear that your, uh, your wives and your children would be taken and uh, carted off into slavery, he said, I'm going to take away all of you. You're all going to wander around in the wilderness until not a one of you is alive. And the very children that you are afraid would be carted off into slavery, they will take the land. So that's where we are. They are uh, right at the promised land. And uh, Joshua has uh, been the leader for some time. And it's coming towards the end of Joshua's life. And he's about to... Uh, Uh, It's coming to the culmination of uh, them taking the promised land. They've uh, had all the land allotted to them and they've all gone out and conquered the land. And and Joshua is is, uh, seeing the, the culmination of God's plan in their life, that they would take this land... And as they are about to dismiss and go off and inhabit the land, Joshua calls them all together and discusses last-minute instructions. And he tells them about all the things that God has done. (coughs) He, He reviews for them the many blessings that that God has done. In fact, in the first part of uh, chapter 24, it says that Joshua gathered the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for the the heads of of their uh, clans uh, and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. Now, that particular verse right there is different than any other time in which they've gathered before God. Uh, in which uh, the times before when they talked about the children of Israel being gathered before God, uh, like for instance when they were at the Mount Sinai where God uh, came and, and was there and gave them the Ten Commandments through Moses. It was a very different type of thing. It was God coming and assembling the people. But this time, uh, this passage of Scripture is its a different type of word. It's a word that's used uh, very much like uh, where you would see uh, a judge sitting before uh, people and the people coming before the judge. And that's literally what they're doing. They're coming to God as the judge of their people and they are coming to uh, before God and Joshua is acting as, as the defense attorney. He's there and he is uh, pleading the case of the people uh, before God as the righteous judge. And, and Joshua is saying, look, these are the instructions that God has for you. You're to go and to inhabit this land and you're to go into this land and you're not to intermingle with the people of, uh, of, uh, that once lived here. God is leaving some of those people here as a test for you. You need to go into the lands that God has given you and you need to inhabit those lands and you need to, to care for that land and you need to make sure that you live according to God's desire. Now, this is where this uh, passage of Scripture is relevant to us. 
Though we're not going and inhabiting a foreign land and we're not going in uh, to, to conquer a land or anything like that, it's a challenge for us each day to live in our world and to live in a society to have the kind of home that God desires. And we've been talking for the last two months uh, uh, this is the eighth sermon in this series, and we've been talking about the things we need to do to ensure that our home is the kind of home that God wants for our, our life and for our children. We all want to have the kind of home in which we can uh, ha- bring up children that will uh, live according to God's desire for their life. There's nothing worse than, ha- uh, than doing your very best and living your life according to what God's desire is for you and then your children growing up and not having anything to do with God. That's not what any of us would want. We want our children to grow up and to learn to trust in God, to learn to love God, to learn to, to, to live according to God's desire for their life as well and to carry on the message of God's love in the lives of our grandchildren and our children's children and our, and, and our grandchildren's children. We want that legacy of God's love to perpetuate throughout our life. And, and so uh, we, we've been talking about the things that we have to do in order to have that kind of home the kind of home that God desires for us. And we've talked about uh, having a sure foundation. We've talked about framing values. We've talked about uh, ensuring that, uh, that our lives, our homes are the kind of homes that God wants for us. And now we've come to the very end and we're, and we're looking as if it's, it's almost like we're watching that old uh, TV show, Extreme, uh, home, Extreme Home Makeover, where you know the house looks a lot like it did before, but it's different and you and when you go inside it's really different it's nothing like it once were was it's not the junkie house that that we uh lived in that that is the best that we could do it's the it's an extreme home makeover that has uh, an extreme change in our life and one of the most important things in that new life and that new uh, uh, existence in that home that God wants us to have is what we. What are we going to do next? What do we do next? Are we going to go into that house and just simply live like we did before and and everything go to pot and everything uh, be junky again? Or are we going to live the kind of life that God wants us to live? One of the most important and critical parts of that is uh, the kind of life that we live with our children and how our children live. Let me tell you something of why it's so important and how we live in our life. Uh, these are some statistics that are alarming. Uh, statistics tell us that every eight seconds a child will drop out of school. Every 26 seconds a child will run away from home. Every 47 seconds, a child is abandoned by their parents. Every 67 seconds, a teenage girl has a baby out of wedlock. Every seven minutes, a child is arrested for drug abuse. Every 30 minutes, a child is arrested for driving drunk. And every 36 minutes, a child is killed by someone else with a gun. Those are some alarming statistics. It's almost a wonder how we can exist in this world and not be scathed by the things that this world wants to do against us. 
And that's really what the children of Israel were facing as they were going into the promised land. God had had delivered them out of bondage of slavery. God had delivered them to the promised land. God had miraculously allowed them to overcome the, the people that lived in those lands and to defeat them and to destroy them and to uh, allow the children of Israel to go and inhabit the land. And now came the difficult part, living there. What are we going to do now that God has fulfilled our, His promise to us? It's really the, 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 the great problem that a lot of churches have. You know, a lot of established churches have a a tremendous problem in that they have a wonderful, beautiful church. They have beautiful carpet on the floor. They have uh, stained glass windows on the windows. They have chandeliers lighting up that beautiful sanctuary. They have all kinds of beautiful music and some have orchestras, some have big choirs. And they get into the church and, and the great challenge was to to build the church, to establish the church, to have a big church building and to have all of that and then to pay it off. And once the church does that, pay it off and all of that, they kind of start to coast. And, the, and that's a real problem for a church like ours that's been around for over 100 years that, you know, we're, we don't have to worry about building a building. We've got a, a beautiful church. We've got beautiful stained glass. We, we've got all of these things. And, and the tendency is to sit back and say, okay, I, we, we've done it all. We've, we've sacrificed all the hard things and now we can sit back and just do whatever we want to do. But that's when we get into trouble. That's when the children of Israel got into trouble. They're not fighting for an existence. They're not fighting for a land. They're not struggling in order to just survive. They are finally in there. And and Joshua talks about to them what God has for them to do and what we must do now that we've got it all set. We're all set. We don't have to fight in order to have a church. We've got one. We don't have to fight the government in order to have a place to to worship. We're here worshiping. We don't have to fear repercussions of coming together and assembling together to worship God. We don't have to worry about being thrown into jail or or being persecuted or being told we can't shop at the local shops and buy food and things like that simply because we're Christian. We're here. We've got all those things. We don't have to worry. So what do we do now? Joshua says to the children of Israel, you need to do this one thing. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, putting away the old gods which your fathers served on the other side of the, of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. He says, look, what we have to understand is, is that we, we don't have to struggle the way that that we once struggled. And a lot of the children that were living there now would never understand the struggle. A lot of us don't understand the struggle that, that many people faced in order to... Mortgaging their homes just so that they could put a little bit of something towards building this church. Sacrificing time and efforts and talents to be able to put, pull together the things that we enjoy. 
Joshua says the task that we have to do now is that we have to fear the Lord and serve Him and in sincerity and in truth. What do we think of when we think of fearing the Lord? Well, all of us understand that that word fear there, it doesn't, it doesn't mean fear Him like, oh, I'm so afraid. It's not talking about being afraid like we're afraid of the boogeyman that's in the dark. It's not fear like we would fear uh, you know, somebody that's coming after us with a knife or a gun. It's talking about having reverence toward God, having a respect for God. And so often we forget to, to have the great awe and wonder of God because we don't see God work in our lives the way that, that those who went before us do. We can certainly see God moving in our life when we sacrifice everything for God and He delivers us. But when we don't have to sacrifice as much, we fail to see the things that God is doing for us because we're not putting all of that before God. And so we don't, have, we don't see where God is delivering us. If each one of us went to our home, and I'm not telling you to do this, okay? So don't, don't come with your pitchforks against me, okay? And torches. Uh, but if we all went home and we said, you know, there's not a thing that, that I have that, that God hasn't given me, so, and God needs everything that I have, so I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a check for every dollar that I have in the bank, every dollar I have and every security, every stock, every uh, I'm going to sell everything that I have, like we talked about in Sunday school last week. And sell everything that we have, and I'm going to live a life of poverty if that's what God wants me to live. I'm going to give it all to God. Now, if I told you that, and I asked you to do that, you'd look at me like, uh-oh, he's already turned into a cult leader. He's wanting us to do like a lot of those cults. I'm not telling you to do that. It's God that is telling us that we need to live that kind of lifestyle where nothing in our life is so important where we're not trusting in the bank, we're not trusting in the money that we have in our job, we're not trusting in our securities or our 401k, we're trusting God. Where do we put our trust? Where do we, where do we depend on when, when, the, when the road really gets difficult? Are we trusting in God? Or are we simply looking at ourselves and saying, you know, I think I got this, I, I, I can do this. God doesn't want us to look at ourselves and say, I can do this. He's wanting us to look at Him and say, God, only through Your power, only through Your might, only through Your strength am I able to carry on. That's what Joshua is talking to the children of Israel about doing, fearing God, having a reverence for God and understanding it is He that's delivered us. It's understanding that it's God that delivered us. It's understanding He is the one who brought us out of our slavery and bondage and has set us free. You might be saying, well, preacher, we, we didn't go through slavery. No, but we, we've been bound by sin. It's God that's delivered us. It's nothing that we... we it, there's no amount of good that we can do. We, it's, there's no amount of money that we can give to charity or, or to any other organization that will absolve us of our sin. We understand that. We know that it's not because of our goodness that God 
delivers us, it's because of the goodness of Jesus Christ. The sacrifice that Jesus made on, on the cross of Calvary paid for our sin. Not anything good that we can do. doesn't matter how much time we devote to, to giving to other people. It's not how much money we give to charity. It's not how, uh, how good a life that we live. There's no amount of that that can absolve us of the sin that we've done. It's only through His goodness, His grace, His mercy that affords us salvation. And so we need to have a fear and respect of God, a reverence to God for that. And then he says we need to serve Him. Now, a lot of times when we think about service, we think of, okay, well, now you're talking about something I can really understand. I'll go out and I'll I'll, uh, make hot lunches for the homebound. I'll go out and I'll uh, clean up the yards of those who are unable to, uh, the older folks that can't get out and and, uh, uh, take care of other people. I'll go out and I'll make sure that that those who are unfortunate that don't have anything can be taken care of. We think of those things as service, but what really Joshua is talking about in terms of service is a complete giving of our life over to God. That's what that word serve Him means. It means not to reserve anything for ourselves, but to give all to God. So he's saying we need to reverence God for all that He has done and we need to be willing to give of ourselves of everything that we have to give to God and give it in sincerity and in truth. Not as a matter of feeling as though this is going to earn me my salvation, but giving it in sincerity and truth, meaning giving it in such a way as if God wants to use this in His glory, if God, I'm going to give God everything that I have, no matter what God does with it, it's His and it, it belongs to Him because of what He's done for me. And then he says, the next thing that we need to do, not just fear God and serve Him, but secondly, we need to put away the gods of our fathers which served them on the other side of the flood in Egypt. Now, what's this? Now, what Joshua is talking about is is that he says, you need to put aside all the bad influences that once were a part of your life. And when the children of Israel lived as slaves in Egypt, they worshipped the gods of Egypt. That's evident in the fact that when they were on the, at Mount Sinai, when uh, Moses was on the top of the mountain waiting for God and communing with God, they got impatient. They said, you know, well, he's been up there for, gosh, he's been up there for 20, 30 days, 40 days. He, he's been up there and God really is, looks angry and everything. I, I wonder if he's even alive anymore. So they, what did they do? They, they went to Aaron and they said, Moses isn't coming back. You need to raise up a God for us to worship. Here's all of our our gold. Uh, Raise up an idol for us to worship and take us back to Egypt because we don't know what to do uh, aside from that. And so they basically, the the idol that uh, that Aaron fashioned after the gold was a calf. This is a God that, that they worshipped in Egypt. This is a God, the golden calf was, was a, a God that they observed and worshipped while they were in slavery. 
And what Joshua is telling them is, is don't go back to your old behaviors. Go, don't go back to your old influences. And guess what? There's going to be all kinds of influences around you to try and pull you into those old ways of worship. And what a lot of the children of Israel were basically doing was is that uh, uh, what it's thought here is, is that a lot of the children of Israel didn't really worship God the way that they should worship. What I mean by that is, is that anytime anything bad would happen, what did they do? They cried out to God. They, they were going, uh, they were wandering around and, and they were following Moses or Joshua and when they didn't have water, what did they do? Oh, you are so bad. Why did God bring us out here just to die? And then God would provide water and they would drink the water and they'd be all happy and everything and they'd worship God then. Uh, when they were without food or they were tired of eating manna that God was just raining down on them, and rather than thanking God for what they had uh, received from God, what did they do? They, oh, we're so mad at you and mad. We had it better back there when we were slaves. We at least had onions and, and meat pots and all kinds of good food for us to eat. And all we're eating is this honey bread. We're just so tired of this honey bread. And God would cause the quail to come down and they were eating so much meat they got sick of meat and, and, and God uh, provided for them and so they worshiped God. Oh, thank you, God. When they got sick and they were eat, uh, bitten by the scorpions, God uh, delivered them and allowed them to live. All these times they were basically just worshiping God and when bad things happened, they would turn to God and they would... When God delivered them, they, oh, yay, yay, we worship God. But all the rest of the time, they did their own thing. Sound familiar? Jesus, take the wheel, right? You know, oh, I don't even think about God until all of a sudden I'm about to have a car accident and I'm going to give the wheel over to Jesus and let Him take me. And if He delivers me, then I'll worship Him. I'll praise God for that. He delivered me from cancer. He delivered me from this or that. Or he delivered me from this car wreck. Jesus, You took the will and saved me. I'm going to worship You, but any other time I'm going to do whatever I want to. Joshua is, is admonishing the people of Israel as their defense attorney before God he says, God's going to protect you and take care of you. But these are the stipulations. Kind of like when you're standing before the judge and he says, these are the stipulations of your parole. We'll let you off, but you've got to serve this much community service. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to live by the rules and do all those things. Joshua is saying, God's going to take care of you and God will be your God, but you've got to do this one thing. You've got to make sure that not only do you fear Him and serve Him, but you also have got to make sure that you, uh, that you put away your old gods. You've got to get rid of all these other things in your life that you serve. You've got to worship only God. And you say, well, preacher, I don't have a little Buddha in my house. I don't have a little fat man that I, I rub to make sure that I have good luck. I don't do any of those things. Yeah, but you, we all have other gods that we put before God. If we're not careful, we allow that bass boat to call us to the river every Sunday instead of coming to church. Or that deer stand. Or we've got football that gets in the way during the fall. 
or we've got baseball or basketball or whatever it is that gets in the way. Oh, well, I can't come to church Sunday because I'm doing this. I'm going to the beach or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And we put God aside during those times and we go and we worship at the altar of these other things that have our heart more than God. God says you've got to put away those old, old gods. You've got to put, away, put aside all those old things and worship Him only. Your forefathers did all those things, but now you need to serve the Lord. Verse 15, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day. And that's really what it comes down to. You need to make a choice. You need to choose. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve other gods? Are you going to just simply play at church or are you going to truly serve God? If God desired for this church to to commit ourselves to doing everything it took to reaching out to the people of this community so that this church would be full on Sunday and we would see true growth in the lives of people where we would see people's lives changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit through our witness and serving Him and seeing people's lives changed from the sin of this world to a new life in, in Christ Jesus, then we ought to be willing to give away everything that stands in the way of serving Him, that we ought to clear everything in our life that gets in the way of serving God and do only what is uh, God desires for us and committing all of our day, every day, to serving Him. Joshua says, and this is how, the attitude that we need to take. You need to choose. He says, you need to choose, but he says, but as for me and my house, look, he says, it doesn't matter what you do, This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve the Lord. That's the attitude we need to have. It doesn't matter if the rest of the world sees us as kooky and crazy. It doesn't matter what anybody else is going to do. It doesn't matter what the person next to you on the pew is going to do. You need to choose today to serve God. Joshua says, I don't care who else is is with me, but for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to do what God calls for us to do. We are going to stand for God because we know this is what God wants for us. And today, you need to make that choice. Are you going to just simply pretend to make your life the kind of life that God wants it to be? Are you going to live the kind of life that God wants for you to live? Are you going to live the kind of life? You, you, God's come in and He's transformed your life. He's changed you and, and made you and created in you a new life. And He's saying, come on in. Inhabit the life that God wants for you. Are you going to go in and, and trash up the house that God has built for you? Or are you going to live the life that He desires for you? It's kind of like all of us have heard about uh, public housing and, and uh, Habitat for Humanity houses. Or, and we, we've all heard about uh, these folks that have been given this wonderful gift. We, we know more about that than we do about an extreme home makeover, don't we? Uh, the people of a community sacrifice, and they all come together Habitat for Humanity. Everybody, volunteers come from all around and they build a home in a weekend. And they 
put all kinds of nice things in there, carpet, and, and they've built a home that, that's solid and, and is going to protect that f- family during the storms of life. And, and you've done everything they can to make a beautiful home countertops that are just gorgeous and a beautiful kitchen bedrooms that are nice and spacious and have perfectly nice beds that have beautiful uh, all kinds of things on the walls to make the house look nice. And then they say to a family that's in need, you come into this house. It's yours. It's yours. Now, what keeps that family from going in and saying, oh, I don't care what's going on and taking spray paint and spraying on the walls and trashing everything that people uh, brought in to make the house nice and everything? The thing that makes a difference is is, is they help to make the house, right? They help to, to... They know the struggle that went into building that home. We understand and know the struggle that God has, has made in making our life a new home. Now, we haven't done anything worthy of, of creating a new life. Jesus has done all the hard work. How are we going to come in? Are we going to come in and, and simply trash the house that God has built? Or are we going to give everything in our life to serving Him? We're we going to do everything that we can to fear and serve God. To put aside all the old habits that we had and serve Him and Him alone? Or are we going to just simply trash it? Choose today. Choose today. Are you strong enough to say, I don't know what the rest of the world's going to do, but as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve Him who died for us. We're going to serve Him who gave their all, His all for us. We're going to serve Him who transformed my life.